I'm Dave Monaco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. As we move into December and toward the conclusion of 2019, I wanted to share two final podcast episodes for this first half of the school year. In this session, co-host Amari Hayes joins me with the crew of upper school students who joined us at the end of October. As we concluded that episode on how young people find their sense of belonging or fit in the complicated adolescent social world of today, Amari and I knew we had more to discuss. We wanted to delve more deeply into what it feels like to not belong, to be an outsider socially, and we wanted to examine how Parrish is doing in its quest to live into its mission as an inclusive Episcopal community. Do we have pockets of students who feel cast away and left out? If so, how can we do better as an institution in promoting a sense of belonging? And after all, what is the balance and responsibility between the individual seeking to connect and a community seeking to welcome in creating communities of belonging? Once again, for this discussion, Omari and I were joined by freshman Samantha Ward and senior Meyer Mukherjee. New to the group for this episode was junior Grant Gilker, who could not be with us in October. I know you will enjoy this conversation with some of the amazing and thoughtful young people here at Parish. Well, here we are back at the From My Angle podcast with my co-host, Amari Hayes. Hi, Amari. Hello, Mr. Monaco. How are you doing today? Well, I'm great. We're in the Advent season, holidays approaching, but you and I wanted to get together with our friends who we had here uh, just over a month ago talking about finding our social fit, our sense of social belonging at Parish. We're going to look at it from a little bit of a different angle today. Maybe a little less uplifting than our last one. Maybe, maybe. And because we, we uh, wanted to uh, slip this episode in before we go on christmas break so it would still be on y'all's mind so i hope y'all enjoy today we're looking forward to it do you want to get our guests yeah. uh, reintroduced to everybody we have one new guest who couldn't be with us <laughs> last time who we're glad to have with us today but a great addition we have grant gilker yes my mccurgy and sam last name ward, ward. i didn't want to Miss Ward. Yeah, no you. question. So yes, we're sir. glad they're all back with us, and uh, and and let's let's dig in a little bit. So, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, navigating and finding our social fit. You guys really were able to capture what it feels like to connect, yes, right? This notion that when you find that friend group who honors you for who you are, that you don't have to put on pretense. They don't judge you as you evolve. Like you all, especially the older two, uh, Maya and and Amar, are really able to kind of take us through the bumps to get to that place, but it seemed like you were there. Samantha, she's so precocious. She seems like she's really done a great job being there through middle school. So you guys helped us to really feel for that. But today we want to talk a little bit more about um, times we felt like an outsider. So, Amar, get us started. I mean, I don't really care if it was a parish or not. You look back in your own youth. When's the time that you felt like an outsider, and how would you convey what that felt like? Um, Probably one time um, in my life was probably around the sixth grade was when – I was being tugged between like, like church and my friends, and so like uh, um, a lot of things weren't access weren't acceptable in my house, but when I would go to school, that's all my friends would do. So I would be tempted. Mm. So like being in that between stage, like I felt left out 
by my like uh, friends at school because I couldn't all the way um, under uh, like understand them or connect with them such as like I couldn't go to the movies or like I couldn't listen to a certain a genres of music so like on certain things if I go hang out with someone and we're in the car and they turn on a certain song and everyone's looking at me like oh you don't know the song and like at that one time like I felt so lonely because I wanted to fit in mm. but I couldn't because I didn't know how to. You came from a home of of strong Christian values Christian that just did not uh, have you exposed to those things. And you spoke a little bit about that even when you arrived here at Parish. Some of that same sense of wanting so desperately to connect socially that it took you a while to get comfortable being with who you were comfortable with. Um, so why don't we see what our uh, guests here today have experienced, if they're similar to yours or in a different a different form. Grant, uh, could you start us off? I've certainly experienced that. I um, don't think I ever really ex- knew that I wasn't in a state of belonging until I felt a state of belonging, mm. until I knew what belonging actually felt like, because I sort of realized that I wasn't feeling it for most of my life. Mm. And um, especially when I came here freshman year, because um, I was new and I'm a junior now, um, freshman year was a really, really hard time. Just, I mean, it's hard for everybody. You're in a new space, you're with new people, um, but I knew literally nobody and I really didn't know who I was. And so when I'm trying to build these connections and build these uh, relationships with people and I didn't know where to go, where to, you know, like who I was. So I didn't know how to connect with somebody else. Or some adjectives you'd put on that feeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I mean, I would say lonely, but more just really confusion for a really long hmm. time. I was just confused. I didn't understand why. I couldn't connect with people the way other people could, Hmm. or I couldn't have, you know, the same sort of friend relationships as other people for a long time. So you weren't Hmm. with us at the last session when we had that recording. This is very similar to how Maya and Omari describe their early high school years. As you talk about a time you felt like an outsider, maybe connected to ninth grade, as Grant described it or not, but we remember this theme, right? Yeah. I remember just like feeling really (coughs) left out a lot because I was new. When I, when I came to Paris in, like, fifth grade, but, like, freshman year, it was still a sense of being left out. I really didn't know my place. I didn't know, like, who my real friends were. Um, and I didn't... I kind of, like, went on the wrong path. I had a certain group of friends that were actually very sweet, really supportive, and I really loved them, and they loved me, like, equally. However, I kind of took a turn my sophomore year, and I went a different path. I started making different friends that weren't right for me. They They, they weren't the right fit. They started impacting my decisions, kind of influencing how I t- act around my parents even. And I talked to, I actually talked about this in the last one, like my parents are the one that called me out and they're like, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? What's up with your behavior? Nishant, your brother Nishant. Nishant did yeah. that. My brother right. did too. They were like, yeah. he's like, can you stop acting like this? Yeah. And I kind of like, it was like a wake up call. It was a reality check. I was like, why am I doing this? Who am I trying to please? Why am I trying to do all this for like clout basically? I thought it was ridiculous. I kind of like checked myself and I just kind of rerouted back to the people that, you know, they were willing to take me take me back in a way as, like, friends. We reconciled, and, you know, I have the true friends that I have now because I realized where I belong. You don't really have, like, a certain place, I feel like, in high school. You just got to figure out what's right for you. So yours came at beginning of fifth grade and beginning of ninth grade. New to parish in fifth grade, mm-hmm. new to the upper school and the social mm-hmm. world there in ninth grade. Those yeah. are the two that you identified. 
Samantha, how about how about your time that you felt like an outsider? Probably for me would be fifth grade. I came from a school that was really small, with like 48 kids per grade. So switching to Paris was kind of like, mm-hmm. it's like double the size of my old school and stuff. And I had a few friends who came from my old school when I came to Parish. But also I didn't really play any sports. I wasn't really involved. I was kind of shy when I came to Parish. So I kind of had a hard time like finding new friends that didn't that didn't go to my old school. And then, like, my friends with my old school, like, they all split up into their own groups. And so I didn't really know where to go because they were all hanging out with different people. And some of those people, I felt like I couldn't connect with them. And so it really, like, made me have to, like, branch out and, like, meet new friends. And I'm still friends with the people that I met in fifth grade. And those are, like, my friend group now. So Yeah, but here's the secret, right? And we all feel like outsiders repeatedly in our life. Move to a new city take a new job, go to college, mm-hmm. uh, go uh, vi- go and visit a new church. Uh, the reality is coming to grips with feeling like an outsider, identifying what it feels like, coming up with some strategies, as it sounded like you did, Samantha, to ultimately figure out how to go from feeling an outsider to becoming one who belongs. These are sophisticated, but I think pretty necessary skills for someone who's going to be a competent, uh, a competent adult. But I want to get back a little bit to the feeling. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard lonely. Uh, like, what else does it feel like for people, even if it's not you, people that you know are disconnected? What do you, what do you sense they are feeling like? What emotional adjective words would you put on it? Um, as probably like desperation, hmm. if I could say that, uh, because. Um, Growing up, um, like I've always gone to like a school that was like thirty minutes away, so not having friends like in my neighborhood or like knowing the kids a, a two blocks away, or knowing the the kids who go to the school like that's a two minutes away. Like I didn't know anyone, and oftentimes, and I would come home. I would feel lonely because I didn't know anyone near me and everyone that I did know was too far away to go to. So like oftentimes I would try to find ways to like hang out with my friends that stay far from home. Mm -hmm. And like it brought me away from a, a being who I normally was at home because mm-hmm. for like a couple of months like I would only go home probably like three four days out, out of a week simply because I knew that if I went home there was no one there so feeling lonely at home just made me I become desperate and want outside mm-hmm. its attention more and hang out from home more even though I had a brother and a mom and a dad at home I didn't feel um connected mm-hmm. with them so I went to where my friends were to lonely desperate I would say uh, discomfort uncomfortable yeah, I mean, it was just general discomfort, mm-hmm. especially at school. You know, you end up spending ninety percent of your conscious time, like at school or doing school stuff, and so if that much of your time is feeling discomfort, um, uncomfortable, yep. and a little bit, uh, just something a little bit off, that's hugely detrimental for the long run. Yeah, I feel like maybe like guilt in a in a way, just because you feel like you kind of you're like blaming it on yourself, like 
oh, is it me? Mm-hmm. Like, why do people like not want me to like kind of fit in? Or like, what's the, what what's so different? Yeah, like why? Like you start blaming it on yourself, and you you think like it's all your fault. Like so, your confidence could get shaken yeah. too, right? Am I am I even worthy to like insecure in a way? Like insecure, insecure, lacking confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to add on that, um, as many of you all know, but you two might not know, I have a stutter. So, <clears throat> so growing up, like having when it was like really really bad, having people like laugh at me or like asking me why I talk like this or or like are you smart are you dumb and and it would turn into like anger and like in a way like at myself of as I said like why can't I just be like everyone else yep <laughs> and so like and that anger oftentimes would show like at home like I would have outbursts because like I just felt as if that Anger was the only way that I knew how to express myself other than crying. And oftentimes I was told that you shouldn't cry. Yep. So that left me in like a couple of years of anger because I didn't know how to deal with my imperfections. That's right. And and as you've heard me talk a lot in the homily space about outsiding is not, your outsider feel is not just about your experience being new. It's also about what you look like, what you believe, who you love. These all, all these elements can make you feel like an outsider as well. Um, And so I think to your point, uh, that's a part of, that's a part of your identity. It's part of your, uh, of your physical identity. Uh, And, and so that manifests itself in ways that sometimes make you make you feel uh, the kind of discomfort that Grant was describing. I think that was the question, though, which is why can't I be like other people? Yeah, I mean, that's right. the one that we've all asked ourselves time and time again, and it's about the parts of us that make us most vulnerable, but the parts of us that make us most who we are is why can't we be like other people? Because those people who are like other people seem to fit in. So is that an adolescent issue or an adult mm-hmm. issue? You are an adult, but I'm going to tell you, yeah. you know, you, you're living it very viscerally right now as, as adolescents because it's such a time of identity formation, that type of coming to grips with yourself that you were talking about, Grant. But I'm going to tell you, to a great degree, we, we live with that mm-hmm. throughout the entirety of our lives, right? Who am I now versus what I see around me? Am I comfortable and confident enough in who I am at this moment and my evolution um, to, 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 to take a step forward, to continue to grow and evolve and to take, and to take risks? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's it. Did you have something that you wanted to add? Yeah, sort of I was going to say, I feel, felt like a bunch of, like, confusion. I was wondering, like, why it was so easy for, like, everyone else to make friends mm-hmm. and, like, why it was so difficult for me to, like, go out there, try new things. Because I was, I was scared, like, oh, I wouldn't be good at it. Oh, people would make fun of me. I was like, oh, why aren't I as good as other people? But then you realize, like, it's not really your fault. It's kind of just you have to, like, find the person who's, like, meant for you. Because not everyone's going to be, like, your best friend. Mm-hmm. But there's gonna always going to be, like, that one person you can go to. And once you find them, like, you really feel that sense of belonging. You can just be yourself in front of them. Connect. So I have some statistics that I want to share with you. And I want to know if you think, uh, if they surprise you, right? If they surprise you. Um, one in five Americans report being lonely. Time magazine is called Loneliness America's Next Big Public Health Issue. The health insurer Cigna, in a very recent survey, said recent high school graduates, you're all really close to that, recent high school graduates were the loneliest group of adults studied, with more than half of the 18 to 22-year-olds surveyed 
speaking of feeling lonely, isolated, left out, and having no one to talk to. A study a little bit older from 2015, 13 to 18-year-olds found 40% of 12th grade students reported feeling lonely a lot of the time. Any one of or all of those surprise you? No. One in five seems too low. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I would totally think that so many people feel lonely. And and I found myself understanding that when you look outside and you aren't grateful for what you have, you tend to look at what others have. And oftentimes, I've learned that even though others have what I don't have, it can easily be flipped around. Because oftentimes, um, I wanted like um, sh- shoes and clothes, and like I-, I wanted the new this, the new that, and I saw that all my other friends did have everything. And one time, um, me and and my friend had a uh, sit down, and I was like, "Dude, I wish I had your life, bro. You have the shoes, the car, this and that." And he was like, "Dude, I, I hate my life." And when he told me that he hated his life because he didn't feel loved by his parents and that he felt lonely, that just made me be more grateful for what I have. And because I've ever had like a feeling of, of not being loved from my parents, but me looking at him i thought he had everything in the world so you may be giving a solution to loneliness i mentioned this in my october homily uh with when claire sung creep and we talked about when you feel like a creep you feel like an outsider and you do too much comparing as that individual in that song was but i'm surprised that you all were as surprised about those statistics as you were so unpack that some more for me why why are you why are you surprised grant that that wasn't even uh, a, a more significant number of people yeah i think what i've learned over the past couple of years in high school especially is that i went from feeling like i was the only one being alone to realizing that we all feel like we're alone um to realizing that entering into people's friendships even if they're not the right person for you even if they're not the right friendship just being around somebody else that is mutually beneficial because Mm -hmm. you're both probably lonely some of the time Mm -hmm. you know And so I think there's no way that we all can't be lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, The statistic that really didn't surprise me, though, is that 18 to 22-year-olds are the largest group. Because in high school, in college, on social media, in general, those are the biggest sort of times that your friendships, those relationships are scrutinized in that way by your peers. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, whether it be social media friend counts... um, that were, uh, or whether it be uh, like just in general in high school, mm-hmm. who you associate with, and it, that's scrutinized by everybody. Yeah. And that's where that feeling comes from, really. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, just like, I was thinking about like this like the quote from Lady Gaga when she went on Kimmel. <laughs> I don't know if you're like, she literally was like, social media is the toilet of the internet mm. and what it's done to like, society and like culture is like abysmal and i literally i was like 
that is like the 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 most like real thing I've ever heard because mm. I think social media is also a huge factor into into how people feel so lonely most of the time mm. like when you don't feel like you when you already feel like you don't belong and you feel like you don't have that right kind of support system and friend group and you see all of that kind of unraveling on social media and other people like doing stuff like that's and it's like that's like the key thing and social media and, and the internet is evolving 18 to 20 18 to 22 year olds yeah didn't surprise me like so many people like are now just getting online and doing and like evolving with new te- new modern technology coming out and i'm just like yeah like it makes sense like that you're gonna feel lonely also like like loneliness kind of evolves like as you get older like for me like i always needed someone to like walk me to class or like like hang out when we're not at school i could not care less if i walk myself to class now if i'm by myself at home just chilling like i genuinely think it's therapeutic Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. i just have my thoughts together now i always needed someone by Mm -hmm. my side (laughs) when you kind of find like your own independence like in high school like you're like a freshman sam like you'll figure it out like later on like you don't need Mm -hmm. someone always by your side like sometimes loneliness can be a kind of beneficial thing you know but you hit on amari's point around this comparative culture which social media just amplifies like it just doubles and triples and 10x is down on what it feels like to see everybody else apparently having uh, a wonderful day and a a life of of grandiosity and Mm -hmm. and uh, everything turning in just the right direction at every moment and you know it's just masking it's maybe masking what some of the real tensions and anxieties they have going on in in their world. So like I don't know. Like I did those surprise those surprise me. Um, I I think I think that they did, and I think they're really compelling. And I think the question is, you know, what's the responsibility? Back to Sam's earlier point around the individual having to, as she did, find the confidence somewhere to step out of a sense of being an outsider and not belonging and seek a place to belong. And what's the responsibility of a community in this instant parishes mm-hmm. to make sure that it is not in uh, that it is not in any way enabling or supporting the ostracizing or othering of people within its community? So I want to dig in a little bit in this last half of the conversation around like what are y'all seeing at parish? Like, are we living into our mission as an inclusive Episcopal community, or do you see pockets um, or chasms where we're where we're not? Me personally, um, um, since coming here a freshman year, mm-hmm. I believe that we have year year by year evolved, mm. and I would say that this year is the best year of of like where I feel that everyone is included, mm-hmm. and and not included in the way of like oh everyone's on in but everyone's views and cultures and ideologies are all respected hmm. here now I, I feel like m- m- more than it has been in the past and we are um, making a uh, new clubs and and organizations hmm. uh, to help um s- certain groups or individuals not feel not feel lonely mm-hmm. and have an outlet to uh, talk about it as we do in a in a, in an affinity group which i think was a great addition mm-hmm. to parish upper school because it truly gives the students um a outlet to 
speak and get things off their chest. Where the rest of you guys? I mean, that was the first moment that I ever felt belonging here was affinity group. So explain that for our so, listeners who may not understand um, I attend, how it works. and now I, I help lead the LGBTQIA mm-hmm. affinity group. And affinity group is the one part of our diversity um, and inclusion curriculum that is sort of, it's not exclusionary, but it is meant for the people that are part of that community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant to be a safe place to share how you feel um, with the people who probably feel most similar to you. And we have six affinity yeah. groups six affinity in, the, in the upper mm-hmm. school. Yeah. And they span all sorts of different racial, um, gender, and sexuality backgrounds. Um, and the first time, before I even came out and said the word I was gay out loud, mm-hmm. I went to affinity group. And it was actually the first place I ever said that out loud. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredibly strong, incredibly supportive group. And it's the first time I ever felt belonging. And I never felt like I wanted to just start crying because I felt so loved and so, um, and so radically accepted and in a way that I never felt before. Uh, and I love that about Parrish. But it sadly, Affinity Group has begun to really build you up and make you feel supportive so that you can go out into the commons and know that you can proudly be who you are. And be comfortable with yeah. yourself. But shouldn't Parrish be that place? I mean, shouldn't right. parish be the place that you, builds yeah. you up and makes you yeah. feel like every part of you is yeah. worthy and belonging so that you can go out in the world and feel that way? Yeah, so, and I think that just comes to us students, um, like having a better understanding and respect of one another. Uh, because as I said, um, I believe in the a previous episode that if we all can respect one another then we won't have any feeling of disrespect or or misunderstanding i think and Mm -hmm. if we come to that place of respect then i think as an institution we would be doing pretty good by then which is hard work where do you all where, where do you ladies where do you ladies see us because you come from both some ethnic and and religious uh levels of difference not to mem- not to men- mention other parts of your identity that, that might be reflected in in terms of feeling like an outsider are we um are, are we kind of where Omari is having made some progress where grant is have some pockets where you can find that point of connection but maybe there's still some some work to do how, how are you all seeing it yeah, I'd say, especially Parish High School, I feel like it's more, gives you more chances to be, like, more inclusive, meet more people, really be yourself than middle school does. Mm. Because in high school, they gave us, they, like, showed us so many different clubs to join. So many different, like, affinity groups are, like, now a thing. Um, so many different, like, new sports club, like, activities and mm-hmm. stuff like that for you to join. And that really helps you, like, find your passion and your belonging, like you were saying. And I feel like Parish, like, does a really good job of that already. Mm. And, like, of course, we, like, always could do more. But I feel like Parrish does a pretty good job at that. And especially because, like, I, at least I know what it feels like to be, like, lonely at one point. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you see, like, new kids in the hallway and you see them sitting alone, you're like, oh, I know what it felt like mm-hmm. to, like, be that kid sitting there alone, feeling, like, awkward in the commons. Yep. So you feel like, oh, let me go, like, walk up and talk yeah. to them. And now we're both, like, not lonely talking to each other. And, like, Parrish really gives you, like, that family feeling of, like, being included. I think Parrish, like, the whole idea of being a community finally settled in with me when I became a senior. I don't, I, it kind of was like a different journey and it wasn't like what I kind of expected out of Parish, like growing, like going from freshman and junior year, but when I became a senior, 
when my grade finally really like we're so close now like <laughs> our grade is really much closer than it has ever been before and, if, and that's like my honest opinion we all kind of do what we want to do we talk to, to we hang out and talk to like who we want to with like it, there's no like fear of like judgment or like shame or guilt or whatever anymore like we just do what we want to do I agree with Grant completely on the affinity group it's my first year on like the diversity and inclusi inclusivity groups and leading the um, South Asian and Southeast Asian affinity groups with Shivani Kulkarni like her and I both being Hindus and kind of expressing our religious um, ideologies and like our cultural perspectives like it's so like fitting for me like I don't think I've ever felt more belonging at Parish. I don't think I've ever made on and honestly like I've known Shivani and Soham like they're twins and honestly them two like the longest since fifth grade I don't think I've ever made more Indian and like like I just say like brown friends I don't think I've ever made more brown friends at Parish until my senior year hmm. from freshman through senior year like of all grades and it's so like rewarding to like and like impactful to me personally because I have that community outside of school but being able to like integrate at parish and like vibe with one another yeah, like it's, see yourself it's, here. it's like it, right. it, it's felt so good yeah honestly those conversations that we have that are vulnerable and are targeted at being vulnerable right they're they help you realize all the times that you stop yourself from saying something, mm -hmm. or that you stop yourself from being who you are, or you yeah. stop yourself, you're gonna say, "No, I'm, I'm not gonna say that yeah. about my culture," because, and you right, didn't even yeah, realize no, you're no, saying it. it. Yeah. And so when you start to actually say it, then you're like, "Whoa," mm -hmm. you know, you feel this, the levity, mm -hmm. the, you know, you feel so much better about yourself. So, but and how those conversations, like learning how to have really intentional and vulnerable conversations with people, is the most important thing that Paris has taught me. And how to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. While listening. Totally. When so I kind of want to get to that yeah. off of Grant's earlier comment. Sorry to interrupt, Grant. But this, this no idea of like you become emboldened and you gain confidence in these affinity groups. And then when you go back out into the broader co community here, what I, what I want to understand is um, are, are, you, are you finding that the folks who see you as Hindu – who are worshiping in our daily Episcopal Christian uh, um, chapel, are you able to be more confidently Hindu in the broader parish population, or do you feel you're having to mask that? Grant, are you able to walk out of the uh, LGBTQ um, uh, affinity group and now proudly profess you know, who you love and that's who you are, it's part of your identity, or are you still feeling like you have to mask that mm -hmm. in the broader community? Like, mm -hmm. where, are we, where are we there? No, I don't feel like I have to mask anything mm -hmm. anymore just because I feel so confident with those people mm -hmm. there. Like, I don't feel like I have to mask anything or kind of hide anything. I post so many pictures, so many videos of me and my brother and me and my family, like, celebrating at religious ceremonies mm -hmm. and cultural, <laughs> like, cultural stuff. Like, and I'm always up in my outfits, and yeah. everyone loves it. Everyone really kind of supports me because there's a level of respect. Yeah. When you get that level of respect of who you are with someone coming from a different background and ethnicity, that's where the confidence mm -hmm. comes in. When you finally are respected and the jokes stop, even on my part, I used to make so many ridiculous mm -hmm. jokes that weren't needed or mm -hmm. to be said about being Indian. Mm -hmm. When that when that stopped, mm -hmm. it's like a whole nother like like my it's like a door was like was like oh, opened up like it it was completely different. I mean, the people in Affinity Group, they mentored me and coached me through coming out. I mean, they really did. And that's the sort of the unique uh, experience of our affinity group is that 
it's a place where people come typically not feeling belonged and they leave and we, you know, help them on that journey mm-hmm. of becoming who they are. Yeah, yeah. And that is a constant sort of thing because um, you're constantly having young people who feel the exact same way I felt mm-hmm. three years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, a uh, question, Grant. Um, and um, I, um, after you all um, sh- uh, shared y'all's uh, uh, cultures um, and you mm-hmm. coming out, were you more grateful that when you told people that that you were iffy about telling or accepting, did like how did that make you feel that even outsiders, I'm not saying all, but others who you thought wouldn't accept you was like, oh, okay, okay, cool. I still love you no matter what. Or Maya, like, really? I, like, um, as I said, mm-hmm. I want to go to <laughs> a, a, a ceremony one day. Yeah. Because as a friend, I feel like that if, if I know that someone is coming to me with, some, with something sensitive, like, I'm accepting to it. Mm-hmm. Because there's things that I do that they uh, might not like but they still do because they care for me and I feel like that friendship and and having good friends and learning how to be a a good friend will also help um, us uh, teenagers feel more accepted and not as lonely. Yeah, it's about that empathy piece and honoring. So whether it's the fact that Samantha's going to choose to ice skate or where you know where Maya chooses to worship, the fact that you stutter, who Grant chooses to love, like these are these are all elements of who who we are here. That in ele- in the broader community, there may be disagreement, right, on uh, faith premise or ideology or politics. Like where I think we have to get better as a community, and we are. But it's hard in the divisive world in which we live, the polarized world in which we live, especially the polarized country where we live. We have to all get better just listening, right? And not and not having a having a judgment or statement. And we have to get better at having these types of vulnerable conversations outside the affinity groups. <laughs> Absolutely. Outside the affinity yeah. groups. And we're gonna get there mm-hmm. coming off the task force report, which our community members can read on our diversity page, where it explicates mm-hmm. the type of vision that we have for how this place is gonna feel for our community members. We're gonna get there, but it's gonna take it's gonna take time and effort uh, for us to do it to, to do it together. Uh, that, that would be my kind of, kind of general summation to how I would answer the question if you had asked it to me. Is like I think we're I think we're an inclusive place. I think we're a loving place. I think there's lots of work to do, and probably always will be work to do. It's a, it's an aspirational thing, right? Uh, from from that standpoint. So closing thoughts, uh, we've done two on social fit. We're going to come back after the holiday and do yes, uh, a conversation more in depth on technology because it deserves its own 30 minutes. <laughs> For sure. Um, but if anybody wanted to sort of close out our last two episodes here on finding our, our social fit on things we've left uh, un, un, unsaid, uh, give you a second or two to do that. I just love what you mentioned there, that the inclusive community task report. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing that both the faculty members and the students said were mentioning these sort of taboo conversations. It's the desire to have those conversations. 
and that's the thing that makes people feel belonged yeah is in order to is to be vulnerable and then to have a dialogue about it yes. i mean it's just what has to happen and it's what good diversity education and good belonging has to be about yeah and also yeah. having teachers mm-hmm. other than students who are also accepting mm-hmm. and yeah. caring and loving mm-hmm. and, and prepared to enter in empathetically to the discomfort of some of these conversations and i think we're working to train our faculty and staff and all of us to, to get better. It's a skill to do what Grant yes, describing. It it's, yeah. it's not just something you walk into yeah. without some, some, some practice and essentially putting your toe and then your foot and then your leg into the water and, and moving and moving forward to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of teachers at Parish are actually really good at that. Mm-hmm. Like you'll hear teachers say, oh, my door's always open. Mm-hmm. Like if you need to like walk in and say something to them. And even if it's like not a serious conversation, you always like talk to them like, oh, like maybe this class, this and this happened or mm-hmm. like this class I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And they'll be there like, oh, do you want me to like talk to that mm-hmm. teacher? Do you mm-hmm. want me to go in with you if you don't feel comfortable enough? Yeah. And like they're always there for you. So you feel comfortable doing anything. Yeah. yeah, just like whether it be like a, like whatever support system you have in your life, like like we're talking like we focus more on like loneliness and just finding your fit like as long as you have a support system whether it be family or friends like you have there there can there cannot be ever like a person not in your life there has to be always someone there like supporting you and like valuing who you are as a person and as long as you there is that someone like everything will be fine well partner it's been a good fall of our first three episodes we'll be back uh after the holiday with a new run of uh of podcast episodes you and i co-hosting together been pretty good. It has been. So happy holidays to our listeners and thank to you, you all. Thank you happy for holidays. coming and, and then spending some time with us. Before we leave, sh- shout out over time and thanks for coming to visit. <laughs> glad to have an extra uh, glad to have an extra eye in the room sure. today. Awesome. <laughs> thank you all for joining the From My Angle podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. In our final episode of 2019, we will consider what it's like to find belonging right back home. I'll be joined by a handful of parish graduates who have returned to join our community as employees. We will consider what it feels like to come back home and how one's sense of belonging differs in both real and humorous terms when your identity switches from that of student to that of employee. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on the From My Angle podcast.